0: You are listening to the best OBGYN podcast. Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to our podcast. In this session, we're going to focus on interpregnancy interval. What does a short or a long interpregnancy interval have to do with pregnancy outcomes? We're going to take a look next Alright, you know, it's not uncommon that patients don't know that the spacing or the timing between pregnancies can be linked to some adverse outcomes. Well, how would they know that? I mean, it's up to healthcare providers to pass on that vital piece of information. Interpregnancy Interval, or IPI, is the spacing between a live birth and the beginning of the following pregnancy. Now remember that the literature surrounding this concept can get a little muddied because some papers report on the interdelivery interval the IDI which is the period between consecutive live births but remember the topic of this podcast is the interpregnancy interval or the IPI rather than the interdelivery interval the definition for short and long IPI has not been well standardized an IPI less than six months is a common definition for a short interpregnancy interval because this interval is most often associated with adverse outcomes. And we'll get to those in just a minute a long IPI is usually defined as more than 60 months between pregnancies or five years, and that can also have a negative impact on health. So once again, not only is a short IPI problematic for pregnancy outcomes, but a long IPI defined as 60 months can also be problematic. Both short and long IPIs, as just stated, have been associated with adverse outcomes, but the bulk of adverse effects has been associated with short intervals. Now, it's unclear whether the apparent association between IPI and OB complications is due to unmeasured confounding factors or an actual true biological phenomenon. Maternal risks associated with short interpregnancy intervals include risks for anemia and preeclampsia. Pregnant women are typically screened for anemia when initial prenatal laboratory tests are drawn and then again at 24 to 28 weeks of gestation, which is also adequate in women with a short IPI. Now, based on the folate depletion hypothesis, it's reasonable to recommend folic acid supplementation to women with short interpregnancy intervals and recommend 400 micrograms daily throughout pregnancy, the same dose that's recommended for most women with prevention of neural tube defects in mind. Now, remember that the folate depletion hypothesis is one of the theories that links adverse pregnancy outcomes two short interpregnancy intervals, and we'll cover that folate depletion hypothesis a little bit more detail in just a minute. Other factors potentially relating a short interpregnancy interval and poor obstetric and neonatal outcomes include cervical insufficiency, sibling competition for maternal resources, transmission of infection between closely spaced siblings, and incomplete healing of the uterine scar from a previous cesarean delivery. Now, what about preterm birth? Well, preterm birth has also been linked to a short interpregnancy interval. The issue of preterm birth based on interpregnancy interval was evaluated by DeFranco et al. in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology back in 2007. They found that the shortest interpregnancy intervals, defined as less than 6 months, did increase the risk of extreme preterm birth with an adjusted odds ratio of 1.4. They concluded that the risk of preterm birth and its recurrence increases with short interpregnancy intervals, even after adjusting for coexisting risk factors. They stated that this highlights the importance of counseling women with either an initial term or preterm birth to wait at least 12 months between deliveries and subsequent conception. Now, what about a long interpregnancy interval? Well, the physiologic regression hypothesis has been proposed to explain the association between a long interpregnancy interval and adverse pregnancy outcomes. This hypothesis asserts that pregnancy causes important, time-limited physiological adaptations of the reproductive system, like an increase in blood flow to the uterus, that eventually end and are no longer available to women with prolonged interpregnancy intervals. So that's interesting. Alright, next, let's consider some clinical recommendations for pregnancy spacing, and let's talk about that next. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Clinical recommendations for pregnancy spacing should consider the woman's health status, her age, fertility, desired family size, and child spacing. Also, past obstetric complications should be considered and her psychosocial readiness to become pregnant again. Let's take a look at specific recommendations for interpregnancy interval after some specific pregnancy scenarios, like a live birth at term. After a live term birth, women who are less than 35 years of age should wait at least 18 months but less than 5 years before conceiving again. Now remember, that's largely by expert opinion, but the consensus of 18 months and less than 5 years is considered standard recommendation. Now, this is in general agreement with the conclusions of the World Health Organization and the U.S. Agency for International Development. Now, remember, in the previous study that we discussed regarding interpregnancy interval by DeFranco, they recommended waiting at least 12 months. However, most international and U.S. agencies recommend waiting 18 months after a live-term birth. Well, what about women with advanced maternal age? An inner pregnancy interval of only 12 months may be a reasonable approach for women of advanced maternal age as it balances the increasing risk of subfertility and infertility with advancing age and the increased risk of pregnancy complications that are associated with a very short interval like less than 6 months. So weighing the risks of subfertility or infertility with advancing age against the risk of perinatal complications from an interpregnancy interval shorter than 18 months must of course be individualized. Alright, well that had to do with a term live birth, but what about after a miscarriage? Well, according to the data and largely expert opinion, couples wishing to conceive should be informed that outcomes may not necessarily be improved by delaying pregnancy for several months, so they should conceive when they feel that they are ready to try again. But what about after a stillbirth? Well, after a stillbirth, we may inform couples wishing to conceive that outcomes may not necessarily be improved by delaying pregnancy for several months. So, they should conceive once again when they feel ready. What about after a cesarean delivery? What is the information on an inter-pregnancy interval in that scenario? Well, after a cesarean delivery council women who are considering a trial of labor after C-section about the increased risk of uterine rupture and TOLAC failure with inter-delivery intervals of less than 18 months or inter-pregnancy intervals of less than 6 months. All right, that wraps up our quick review focusing on inter-pregnancy intervals. It seems that getting pregnant too fast, defined as less than 6 months, or taking too long to conceive, defined as greater than 60 months, can have their problems. So the ideal time interval between pregnancies is 18 months in women who are not of advanced maternal age, but can be 12 months interpregnancy intervals for women considered advanced maternal age. Hope this podcast was helpful, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.